Hey friends, welcome to Bull Mercies. We are gonna have a season three wrap up today. You know, there have been so many powerful stories that have been shared, and we are just going to look back, back to September when we started season three and listen to some of the stories, or I should say portions of the stories that were shared, just to remember. It's always so good to look back and remember. Remember God's faithfulness. Remember how he showed up. Remember how he never left our side. Remember how he continued to love us, even when we were potentially unlovable. So let's rewind the tape a little bit, and we are going to head back to the very first episode of season three with Carmen Post. You know, I I don't interview book authors, but Carmen and her husband did release a book about a month ago called Undone, and I highly recommend it. It's just their story and how God really redeemed their life and how he's using them now. I, I think this is probably the most shocking story that I have release to date. And let me just give you a little bit of background to what Carmen is about to share here. Carmen, when she was a very young child, watched her father slit her mother's throat. And thankfully, her mother lived by crawling to a neighbor's house. But during that time, Carmen was hiding under her sheets in the bed with her little brother, trying to keep her brother safe and quiet, not to attract her dad's attention. So that is the shocking start of this story, but this is all about forgiveness. Join us. One of the first things he wanted to teach me was forgiveness. And so my whole life, I'd carried around all of this like fear that my dad was going to come back and kill me. I mean, that was like my night as a child, traumatized, can't sleep because I'm thinking he's going to come back and get me. And so how God wanted to teach me about forgiveness was he wanted me to forgive my dad. And I wasn't having that, you know, I I kept, I kept talking to God and I'm like, hold on, you say that, you know, every single thing that happens, like before it even happens, why would you even want me to forgive this guy? You know? And it was like this whole year of processing that God wanted me to forgive my dad. And I know it was God because I would never choose to do that myself. Like never, ever, ever. No, I no human would. Ever. Yeah, right. yeah. And so once I was able to forgive my dad, yeah. that is kind of when the Lord began to do a new work in me. Like the moment I forgave my dad, we went and found him. And so this was a face-to-face forgiveness. And I know that God's calling some of us to forgive and they don't get that face-to-face moment. Right. Um, it's, still applicable. Um, It's still very important to do that um, with God. But this was a face to face. I was scared. And man, because I always thought that forgiving my dad was kind of like saying, it's okay, dad, no worries. Mm -hmm. What you did, it doesn't matter. You know, kind of like, okay, dad, good job. That's, you know, that was what my mind was processing for forgiveness. But as soon as I was able to forgive my dad, like I was free for the first time in my whole life, like my anger, my fear, I mean, all of it was just like gone. And so that's kind of where the Lord started working on me and my personal relationship with him um, and just my healing. Wow. I think when you tell your story, it makes me think that Trent's forgiveness of you was able to maybe just like spark like a reality, like, oh, okay, forgiveness is possible when you've been wronged. And mm-hmm. you p- potentially seeing that, I'm not sure. Do you think maybe potentially seeing that help maybe stir that beginning of forgiveness in your own heart? 
I mean, for sure, because that was the adulterous life, right? Like that yeah. was, you know, like I was the woman and the Bible. And, you know, for him to show me so much grace and so much love when I did not deserve it um, was just, I feel like you're right, like the beginning of the Lord, like really just showing me how much he loves me and how much he cares for me. And there's nothing that I can absolutely do to push him away from me. Like he loves me that much. Listening to this again just reminds me so much of the verse in Romans 8 that's so familiar to all of us, but I think it can bear repeating within our hearts. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Next, I interviewed Carrie Vaughn on the podcast, and although her story was quite a bit less dramatic, it was still just as powerful. Carrie hit the nail on the head when she said many women are overwhelmed by the thought of hospitality. Here's Carrie telling us how we can rethink hospitality in our current culture. So how would you define hospitality and how do you look at it? Hospitality is one of those things that I think we define really simply and then we also um maybe forget that there are aspects of hospitality that we're not including in our definition so for example a lot of times i think people define hospitality as something where you are inviting people into your home typically for a meal Mm -hmm. and i think that's right and i think that's good and i think that is very very important um so so that's the first aspect i think that's kind of the low-hanging fruit this is the especially as women, I feel like there's a million books that talk about how we can be hospitable. So, and so, but I think the idea is, for example, always being prepared to host. So like just last week or two, um, one of my kid, my daughter was going to homecoming. And that morning I was actually paddleboarding with my church, a bunch of women, we all went out paddleboarding. So while I'm getting onto the river, my daughter texted me and said, hey, I want to have a bunch of girls over here tonight. We're going to get ready at our house. And so I text back, will these girls need dinner? <laughs> Just, and my daughter said, yes. So I'm about to go down the river. And so I was thinking, you know, how are we going to feel, feed all these teenagers? I'm going to be home for like an hour before they all come over. Anyway, but I had already had meals in the freezer ready. And so this is something that when we were in, China that I started to recognize people would come over and they would expect to be fed. Um, The giving of food is a really, really important part of Chinese culture. And so Mm. I learned early on, I always needed to have something in the freezer that I could pull out quickly and warm up or Mm. cookie dough. I could quickly pull out and, and toss in the, in the oven or whatever. Mm. And so the like I was thinking about, you know, the Jesus gives this parable um, with the the banquet that he that the guy prepares, mm-hmm. and the whole table, like everything, was prepared, and then they went out to go get the people, and so the idea that the the stuff was there, everything was prepared. Now mm-hmm. he went out, and this is maybe the second part of hospitality. He had people go out. And the people who were actually invited to the feast, oh, they came up with all these reasons and why they couldn't come. So mm-hmm. the host says, well, go out, get the blind, the lame, the poor, and bring them 
in. And I think this is the part of hospitality that oftentimes gets overlooked Mm -hmm. is that if we are going to be, is, is this idea that we, who are we inviting and how are we being hospitable? Um, How is it that we're being hospitable to the refugee who can't drive? So Mm -hmm. maybe that means me bringing some fruit and tea over to their house so that we can sit for a couple of hours and, you know, have a conversation. Um, Maybe it's a single mom that she spends Thanksgiving with your family. And so I think it's this idea of being hospitable, not just in inviting people over to our homes, but being hospitable with our resources and our time and our space. Um, We had a girl, a friend of mine who goes to our church and she is in her thirties and she's a single girl, a single woman. And I said to her a few months ago, how is it that our church can better love singles? Hmm. And she said, we just want to sit with you guys in church. And I realized very quickly that I inadvertently had been inhospitable to the singles in our church congregation because we would just, you know, we'd mosey on in with all my kids and we'd just take up a row, not even thinking that there are people sitting in that sanctuary by themselves. Mm. And so I think it's, we can inadvertently be inhospitable to people because we're simply thinking of hospitality as having friends in our home. I love the parable that Carrie shared, which help us reframe hospitality and what it looks like in our life. God's word is powerful and active. Speaking of God's word, did you guys like that transition? Here's a great encouragement from Christy Freeland about the power of God's word to renew and to mold our minds. Well, learning and seeing God through the correct lens really changed my life because here was a father who doesn't leave. Here is a father that even though my body was not protected, he protected my soul. He protected my heart. He protected my mind. Yes, I go through difficulties, but when I apply his correct attributes and his word to the lies of the enemy, it's just, it's life-changing. When I see these difficult situations through an eternal perspective, instead of right here in this moment, um, it provides comfort and joy and peace that never leaves. And so all of these things really have been faith builders in my life to the next trauma that is that has come. Mm. Wow. I would love for you to speak for a moment. Let's just say you are sitting with a woman who has experienced some of the trauma that you have experienced, whether we are talking about uh, abuse, whether it's they were a child or abuse in a marriage or trafficking, experienced some sort of trauma like that from an intimate partner. Can you just for a moment speak to them about their worth in God? Because- you have obviously worked hard to rebuild that in your life to to see your to see God through the correct lens, but to see yourself through the lens that God has that God sees you through. What would you have? What would you say to these women? Well, I think at first 
I don't know that I would say anything at first. I would want to listen. I would want to listen to their heart and to their story. And then show them God's love. A lot of times when we're in those moments of trauma, we can't hear anything that anyone says. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. we just have to be what my pastor calls Jesus with skin. We have to show them they're worth it. We have to give them our time. We have to come alongside and support. And I would encourage, this is what Recast has been to me, to get into God's word and let's go through it together. What is the feeling you're having today? Are you feeling dirty (laughs) or unclean? Mm -hmm. Where do we go in God's word to find that that is not truth? And so I would really do a discipleship journey along with them instead of just a one and done. So they themselves can dig into the Lord and into his word and find specifically where the Lord is speaking to them and their worth. I've done this Mm -hmm. a few times um, with some friends that experienced trauma and they have told me that because they were able to hear from the Lord through his word, they could believe it. I think a lot of times as trauma victims, we think that people are, they feel sorry for us or Mm -hmm. um, they pity us or feel bad. Um, And a lot of times you're just hungry for truth. I was hungry Mm -hmm. for truth. And so I would take them through these scriptures that I have found um, being restored, being rescued, being recovered, reassured, refined, redeemed, all of these things that the Lord has taken me through, I would sit down and show them the truth of his word. And I do believe that the word is living and active, and it really speaks to people right where they are. I am so thankful for every one of these sweet ladies who have just so powerfully and vulnerably shared their stories. As you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. We are in May, and I was truly honored to share Abigail Alleman's story with you, Hope to Thrive in Mental Illness. She has also gone on this past year to share her story in book form, and you can read it, A Million Skies, and I highly recommend it. Here she is telling a little piece of her story about the beauty that she has found in the brokenness. And that's what I've really come to see as such a beauty from the brokenness of a fallen world and affecting people like with bipolar disorder or just the mental illness period um, is that we do learn to be, um, we learn that we are desperate. There's no hiding you know, that we're a mess, that we've, you know, we're completely fallen apart, you know, we're fallen and we're falling apart without God. And so there's, you know, wild horses going to drag that out of me or couldn't make me forget that, you know, that sense (laughs) of desperation has remained. That sense of how deeply I need God has just so woven itself into me that I, um, I just can't get away from it. Mm. And I don't want to. Amen. Amen to that. When you're looking at, again, when you're looking at those dark times in your life, are you, how are you interacting with the, with the word? How is the word, is it, um, 
Are you in it? Are you praying it? I'm just kind of wondering how you personally inter- interacted with the word during that time. Yeah, it was um, it was hard for me to like study like I normally would, but I'm a meditator. I meditate on scripture. So I had so many scriptures committed to memory um, all throughout the Bible. And so they're coming to mind as I'm kind of fighting a spiritual battle, I feel like, you know, against evil. Um, there was a time after that second hospital stay and I could not, this is the crazy thing about mania and those connections. Sometimes it's such a beautiful thing that you see. It's just almost like a taste of heaven, you know, because you see these beautiful things coming together. Well, it was like the enemy, I was going toe to toe with the enemy and there must've been, you know, 20 different passages, passages of scripture, you know, that I said, no, but this is the truth, you know, kind of thing. And, um, so to answer your question, I really relished when I could return to, you know, regular study of the Bible, but I wouldn't trade that hiding of the word in my heart, you know, what it was to dwell in those passages because I mean, really from the time I was a mom with young kids, meditation on scripture became so important to me because I could be learning a passage and, you know, playing, you know, blocks with my kids and um and I could be receiving from the word. I could be nourished from the word. So that's been a huge foundation in finding the strength to walk this road. I have just two more amazing clips for you. And my next guest also has suffered from a long-term illness, which is bodily informed for her, not mental. In so many ways, their story overlapped. Kelly Parr said, Quote, our hope must be deeper than he will take this away. God, take this away. Our hope must rest in who he is. So here is Kelly Parr reminding us of the truth. And then I think, I think a lot of it has been like, okay, God, like you say, if we have faith, we can move mountains and I have faith, you'll heal me, but you're not. So that's been a really hard, that's just been really hard. I think I've, I've cried out a lot through those times and the times I think I've cried out the most is when I'm just in the most excruciating pain, Um, you know, when I'm in a terrible flare up or I have terrible migraines or whatever. And it's just like, Lord, just, you know, take this cut from me and he does it. So I think that's been, um, that's been a really uh, hard struggle for me. Mm. And then go ahead. Do you feel like you have come to a soft space to land when you face those wrestlings between like, I have faith that God, you can take this away, but why aren't you? It's such a painful thing to wrestle with. Do you feel like you've landed in a soft spot there with the Lord? Yes, I feel like I have. And I feel like I have for years now. And I think when I'm going through those wrestlings and those frustrating times, I'll, I just keep saying to myself, God is good. God is good. I don't know why he's letting me deal with this, but he's good. And I'm not going to understand it because I'm the type of person I overanalyze everything. I want to know everything. Like, I'm not like, is the cup half full or half empty? I'm like, why is there a cup? Is there a cup? Yeah. Like, I just, you know, I analyze right. everything. So I, so for me, it's, it's almost a place I think of surrender where you're like, okay, God, I am not, I'm not loving this, but you are, you are God. You are good. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that's, that's where, um, 
that's where I, the soft spot I've landed and I can feel terrible, but I have no question in my mind that God is good. I know he's good. Hmm. So I just rest in that truth. And the other thing I feel like he's given me through the times when I'm really sick is just the gift of his presence. Yeah. And I feel like I just rest in, in God's presence. That is so, so good. Every single one of these reminders that I'm placing back in my own heart as I am putting these pieces together and these clips together are just such a beautiful reminder of how faithful God has been in their lives and the stories that we've listened to, but also how truly faithful God has been in our lives as well. This last clip I have for you, you all probably remember it was Eileen Lass and her struggle with food addiction. And I'm just going to put this one out there. No introduction. She was so beautifully spoken. And here she is sharing a little bit of her story. Having walked through this healing journey in a healthy way and looking back at the grief, what do you treasure about God, about God the Father, as he walked through you, both healing your addiction to food, but also healing the grief of losing your son? Yeah, he has been so faithful. He has drawn us to himself. Um, he's drawn me, shown me that Jesus is the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, mm-hmm. that he understands every aspect of grief, the physical. You know, sometimes you lose your appetite, sometimes you have more appetite, mm-hmm. sometimes you can't sleep, sometimes you can't, you know, sleep too much. So many, he understands the emotional aspects of grief, the social, you know, how people treat you. And some people don't want to see you because they don't want to make you cry or they're afraid they'll cry. I mean, so many hard things, but the Lord just drew me so close and has been so merciful and has healed those, healed those wounds. And he doesn't waste our sorrows. I'm a wounded healer. I've spent six years leading a group called the Compassionate Friends, which is a support group for people who have lost a child or a grandchild or adults who have lost a sibling. It's a privilege to sit with people and listen to their sad stories and say, it's terrible. It's awful. We weren't created for death. We were created for life. It's such a shock to the psyche. Mm. But, and I'm so thankful that the Lord used me in spite of this area. You know, I'm a bundle of contradictions. I'm godly, but I'm ungodly. I want to serve him, but I serve myself. You know, I'm just a bundle Mm. of contradictions and gives me grace to, to be compassionate to others. And, you know, if I turn to food for comfort and somebody else turns to gambling and somebody else turns to alcohol and somebody else turns to pornography, you know, there's, there's more identification like oh, I'm no better than others. It reminds me too of Romans 7, where Paul talks about that, what I do not want to do, I do. And that what I do should be doing, I'm not doing. And so, I mean, that was my paraphrase and not exact wording, but it reminds me of that, that, you know, we are all living paradoxes because we are caught in the flesh. We're bound by the flesh, but freed in Jesus, but still working, working out everything, working out our salvation in the sense that we're working through those things that bind us, but he still chooses to use us in the midst of that. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, yes, yes. You know, James says we all stumble in many ways, you know, Mm 
and I have not arrived in any way. But one neat thing spiritually is in for so many years, when I get to the point of confessing in my prayer time, I thought, how did I eat today? And that would be the first and often where it stopped my confession. And now that most days I live with integrity, I glorify God in my body. I'm feeding myself the food very close to the way God created it. And it's, it's, you know, I'm exhibiting self-control in that area. Right. He can point out other areas that he needs to forgive or heal or strengthen. It's, it's just brought me to a new level with him because it's like, I love the image of, uh, Gordon McDonald talked about clearing his um, backyard when he moved to New England. And at first they moved the boulders and they thought, great, we got, but then they noticed the stones and then they had to remove this. And then they noticed the pebbles and there's always more that the sanctifying spirit wants to do in our hearts. Um, And sometimes we just need to get the big obvious ones out of the way. So even we can see maybe other areas he wants to grow us in. Yeah, that is so well said. I love that analogy. I've never heard it before, but that one's going to stick with me. I love it so much. It's so beautiful. Thanks guys for joining us today here on Bold Mercy's podcast for reliving bits and pieces of episode three with us. God is so good. And I just pray that this, that this podcast will have stirred up your mind and your heart to remember God's faithfulness in your own life. And maybe you want to take a moment and just journal those thanksgiving and those gratitudes to the Lord, because he has truly been faithful in our lives, even though sometimes in the middle of the daily mess, we forget that. Thank you all for joining us. And we'll see you next week for the last episode in season three.